Good morning. It's great to see you. What an exciting day. What an exciting time of the year as we get ready to go back to school. Oh, well. I hope that as we sang that, that that truth is stirring in your heart. Is it well with your soul? We've got good news today. I think the Lord wants to speak to us and share with us one way that he ministers to us and encourages us deep in our heart, in our soul. So as we begin, is your soul, is, is it well? Is it good? Is it alive? Through Christ, many of you have experienced that. Regardless of what goes on on the outside, there can still be a, a wellness with your soul. Some of you have yet to discover that, and, and our plea, our prayer for you is that through Christ, you can discover that truth today, and certainly sooner than later. Turn with me, if you would, to in James chapter 5. We have been working through uh, the book of James this week, and unless you've been in Europe all summer, right, you ought to be up to, up to speed with it. It's great to see our Europe guys home, and we look forward to hearing some stories from, from you guys over the... Sometime, anyway. Uh, we'll have to be edited down, right? Uh, but anyway, it's great to see you guys back. Um, but we've been working through James this summer. And it's, it's wonderful because James is the brother of Jesus, but he's a pastor. And as he's, he's written this letter to his church, it is just filled with all kinds of pastoral insights and words that encourage us and, and the realities that face us as we live in community with each other. In chapter 1, he, he begins by, by acknowledging and recognizing the trials that we face. And he encourages us in the midst of those trials to persevere, to endure. He says, if you need help with that, then pray. Pray for wisdom and God will answer that. He shares and talks with us about faith and, and works and that, that faith is more than just an abstract thought or concept. Faith is more than just truth and believing in something. Faith is that which is demonstrated through a life of service, of ministry, of, of caring for the widow, the orphan, caring for the one that doesn't have a, a, a coat or, or that has some kind of need. James is calling us to live our faith out. He talks about the struggles and challenges we have of, of showing favorites, of, of, of those that have... have captured some of the the pursuits of this world above all else he he spends a lot of time especially over these last uh, in chapter four beginning of chapter five um, talking to those that that have decided to pursue wealth above all else again james isn't criticizing those that that work hard and that that to understand their vocation as a part of of who they are in christ and doing the best they can and being successful he's he's criticizing those that would would make that pursuit of money and of, of fame and of pleasure the greatest pursuit of their lives. He talks about, and he asks the question to the church, so what do you think is the source of conflicts among you? As he talks about earthly wisdom and heavenly wisdom, James is, is again, he's writing to a people that he loves, a church that he loves. And as he makes his way to the letter, we get to where we are today in chapter 7. He says, therefore, therefore, what? Well, it's what we talked about. Because of all these struggles and the trials and, and the difficulties that you face of being a, a fellowship, a community of faith, therefore, 
And here's the word for us today. And there are some here today that need to grasp onto this because this is a word that God has for you. Therefore, be patient. Some of you are at a point in your life where you just you need to be patient. We're going to explore that idea today. Therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. The farmer waits for the precious produce of the soil, being patient about it until it gets the early and the late rain. You too, be patient. Strengthen your hearts for the coming of the Lord is near. Now, now this is real interesting. If you look back a couple of verses to, to the rich, again, the rich that are pursuing wealth above all else, they're pursuing the love of money and pleasure and all those things that would be associated with that. In verse 5, he describes them as having fattened their hearts as for the slaughter. In verse 8, he says, be patient, strengthening your heart. What a powerful question. What a beautiful picture for us. Are, are we fattening our hearts today in the, the wealth of America? Or are we practicing patience and strengthening our heart? For the coming of the Lord is near. Do not complain, brethren, against one another, so that you yourselves may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing right at the door. As an example, brethren, of suffering and patience, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. We count those blessed who endured. You have heard of the endurance of Job and have seen the outcome of the Lord's dealings, that the Lord is full of compassion and is merciful. But above all, my brethren, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath, but your yes is to be yes and your no, no, so that you may not fall under judgment. Now, verse 12, that's, that's like your, your mini sermon for the day, okay? Tell the truth, okay? We're going to focus on 7 through 11. I don't want to make light of that because that's, that's serious and important, but I want us to really focus on verses 7 through 11. Patience. Endurance. And we're going to see how, how old some of you are here. I remember growing up back in, the, back in the dark ages, and there was a Saturday morning commercial. It asked the most important question that I think I could ever think of as an eight-year-old. How many licks does it take to get to the Tootsie Roll Center of a Tootsie Pop? How many of you remember that commercial? Well, kind of where the dividing mark is. Okay, several of us do. That was the profound Saturday morning question. How many licks does it take? And the little boy went and he asked the cow, and the cow didn't know. And then he went to the, to the fox, and the fox didn't know. And he went to the turtle, and the turtle didn't know. And he finally ended up with owl. And the owl, he didn't know either, but he said, let's find out. So he rips the wrapper off. One, two, three, Crunch. Three licks to get to the center of the Tootsie Roll. Of course, the commercial ends restating the profound question that we may never know how many licks it takes to get to the center. Isn't that, isn't that kind of a picture of our culture? We are not a, a people that like to endure things. We're not a people that's very patient. We might see a project and we think, well, you know, let's get started. And three looks later, we're ready to crunch into it, right? We're ready to quit. We're ready to, to, to find the shortcut, ready to, 
go around the other way. We tend to not be a very patient, enduring people. Here, here's a word that, that, that we're going to use today, long-suffering. We, we don't use that word because, why? Because Christians aren't, they don't suffer. But one of the fruits of the Spirit is patience. One of the, the realities, one of the expressions of God in our lives is that we are experiencing, can grow and mature in patience, endurance. In long suffering. So let's let's look at this word that James has for us because there are those times, and I suspect there are many of us today that are so frustrated and we're discontent because why we're in a place that we can't seem to get over, we can't seem to get through. And the word of the Lord is simply be patient, be long suffering. So let's go back and and look and see what James has to say. First of all, he says, be patient. And he says it twice here in verses 7 and 8. He says, be patient because the Lord is near. The coming of the Lord is near. Now we need to understand that in the early church, in, in the days and years right after Christ ascended into heaven, the belief of the early church was that Christ would return soon. In fact, if he didn't return today, it was going to be tomorrow. And if not tomorrow, next week. And certainly, if not next week, next month, there was a sense of urgency to to be about the Lord's work. There was a sense of urgency to accomplish what what God would desire. So what James is saying, okay, church, yes, we're aware of the trials, the temptations, the sufferings, but be patient because the Lord's, His coming is soon. Paul was so convinced of, of the Lord's returning in 1 Corinthians, he said, don't get married And Paul wasn't an opponent of marriage, but he understood the commitment and the time that was involved with marriage. And so he said, we don't have time to get married because the Lord's coming back. So let's go about and accomplish and fulfill his work and his mission and his ministry for us. There was this sense of urgency in the early church because the Lord was coming. Okay, good for them, right? Well, 2,000 years later... What do we do with this? Because he didn't come back the next day or the next day or the next week or the next month. He didn't even come back 10 years later, 100 years later. Here we are 2,000 years. And can we read this passage in the same way? Be patient. Why? Because the Lord's return is near. Now there's a lots, lots of conversation about what that means. But can we be patient? Understanding that, that whatever it means that the Lord is going to return, certainly we can agree that it's closer today than it was 2,000 years ago. And so there continues to be a sense of urgency and expectation. So let's endure, let's be patient, because the Lord's return is nearer today than it was yesterday. But I I want us to to not allegorize this, this too much, because the Lord is going to return. But, but I also want us to understand it maybe in a way that they didn't consider as much because the imminent return of the Lord was, was so near. And that's the idea that the coming of the Lord is present in every act of love, in every act of justice, and in every act of mercy that we see, that we do, and that we experience. And so as we go through our trials, as we go through the experiences of life, the challenges, the sufferings, 
Yes, be patient because the Lord is going to return one day. But yes, be patient and anticipate and watch for and look for those places where the kingdom of God is present and popping up in your life. Be patient and endure. Be patient and watch because the love of God is there. There's compassion, there's mercy that's nearby. And wait and anticipate that. Be patient for the coming of the Lord is near. His, His power, His presence is here. And let's look around and see where that's taking place today. James uses the example of a farmer. Again, James is a great pastor. He gives us the illustrations to talk about, to illustrate what he's talking about. He talks about the farmer and the patience of a farmer. In Israel, the, the early and the late rains, the, the early rains would come um, October, end of October, November. The late rains would come end of April and May. And, and the farmer had to wait. He'd get his crops planted, but then he had to wait for the early rains, and then he had to wait for the late rains, and then he had to prepare for the harvest. But there was a lot of waiting there. It required patience. That's like us. Be patient. Sometimes we need to wait until the rain falls. Sometimes we need to wait until the harvest is ready. Now, be assured that a farmer doesn't plant his crops and then go to the beach for six months, right? When the crops are planted, even in the midst of that waiting, there's work going on. There's tending to the crops going on. But every farmer knows that, that, that you're at the mercy of God. You're at the mercy of, of the water, the, the, the rains that come in order to produce the fruit that you're waiting for. Are we being patient? Are we waiting as the farmer? Are we waiting for that season in life? For the harvest to come? Are we waiting in a sense of, of finishing the race? There, there's two kinds of waiting, I think, that, that James is referring to. First is this one I've just talked about. It's the idea of a patience that waits. A patience that waits for the harvest, that, that waits for deliverance, that, that recognizes we need a, a helper, a, a comforter, a, a savior, if you would. And so we're going to wait faithfully with hope and the promise that that deliverance is going to come. In Isaiah 40, verse 31, the scripture says, Yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. Isn't that interesting? Those who wait on the Lord, the prophet says, will gain new strength. What does James say? Be patient and strengthen your hearts. Isn't that interesting? That waiting, that patience, that endurance is one of those profound ways that our heart is strengthened in the Lord. But there's another kind of, of patience, a patience awaiting. Uh, a second is what I'd call more of a fortitude, a strength, a courage, an endurance in the midst of the temptation, in the midst of the trial, in the midst of the suffering. I'm not going to let this suffering, I'm not going to let this trial have victory over me. I'm not going to quit. I'm going to remain faithful. I'm going to remain steadfast. I'm going to stand firm. In the midst 
of whatever goes on. James kind of refers to this in chapter 1. He says, Consider it joy when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect results so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial because there's a strengthening of the heart that takes place. There's a maturity that takes place. There's a completion of faith that takes place as we endure, as we stand firm, and as we stand fast. Then James goes on to say, do not complain. Now, can you believe this? James is writing to the church. Can you believe people in the church would complain about anything? And, and, and James is the brother of Jesus. And they're complaining about the pastor who's the brother of Jesus. Some people will just find anything to complain about, won't they? Now, there's a difference between, between complaining and, and being constructive in your conversation and criticism. This idea, uh, Mike Wilson came up after the service, a missionary. You can tell him I said an old missionary. A, a missionary, he said he always reads from the French in, the, in his, his translation as he's in worship. And he said this, this idea here um, of, of complaining is this picture of kind of spreading manure everywhere. That's, that's kind of what complaining is. It's not constructive. It just, it just spreads the stink everywhere. That's a pretty powerful metaphor, huh? See, the early church, the early service didn't get that. Don't complain. Here's, here's what I think James is, is talking about. As, as we endure, as we persevere, as we go through the trials, especially as they begin to go longer and longer. Okay, James, I thought Jesus was coming back and we're still suffering and he's not back yet. And, and the weeks went by and the months went by and the years went by. And, and, and at some point, we just start complaining, don't we? Because the trials and the suffering, just, they just overcome us. And they become too much for us. And yet, even in the midst of this, James says, do not complain. And, and he, he's serious about this because he says when we complain, it, it becomes, we, we become like a judge. And he reminds us that there is a true judge that's coming. And as we put ourselves in the place of a judge who's out there complaining and, and, and creating, spreading that kind of complaints, not being constructive in what they're trying to do, just complaining. But it begins to do damage and it begins to work its way through the church. Says, don't complain. Don't judge, lest you be judged. But how much do we have to complain about today? How much more? I mean, the air doesn't work. My door is locked when I come to church that I've always come in. My services move locations. My service is earlier than it used to be. Preacher always preaches too long. I mean, well, there's always something to complain about, right? James says, don't complain. Don't complain. Don't allow this to begin to seek itself and seek throughout the congregation. 
Because we are in the midst of trials. We are in the midst of struggles. We are in the midst of hard times. But let's agree to endure together. Let's persevere together. Let's be patient together. I wonder if, as a church, we could become aware of this this easy, slippery slope into complaining. And that we could covenant with each other that we're not going to be those that that complain and criticize in that negative way. But rather, that we want to foster a, a community of love and certainly of conversation, of working through our problems and issues together. And that we want to get rid of a spirit of complaining around the dinner table, around the prayer circle, in the Sunday school life group, wherever we find ourselves. We're just going to say, you know what? That's not healthy. That's not part of the community that we've we've been called to be a part of. Let's do away with complaining. Certainly, we need to address issues that are concerns. Let's do that in healthy and positive ways. One of my favorite words is the word grumble. Say grumble real quick. Now, say it like three times real fast. Grumble, grumble, grumble. Now, now when you say grumble, you, you really can't say it with a smile, can you? Grumble, grumble. That doesn't, it's grumble, grumble, grumble. You know, it's one of those words that, that you kind of expresses what's inside, right? Grumble, grumble, grumble. And then that's what happens when people complain. Grumble, grumble, grumble. Let's not be a grumbling people. Let's be a people that certainly recognizes the struggles we have, but let's, let's be patient together and long-suffering together and do away with the grumbling. James continues. Look at verse 11. We count those blessed who endured. He's saying be patient, endure, and then he's, he's reflecting. He says, you know what? The stories that we tell, the stories that we tell of the prophets, the stories we tell of Job, the stories we tell of the great men and women of faith as they, as they struggled with life, we consider them blessed. So, so let's allow them to be a model for us and, and remember the struggles and the, the, the issues that they went through. And let's follow in their steps. He talks about the prophets in Hebrews chapter 11. Listen to the fate of some of the prophets. The prophets were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were tempted. They were put to death with a sword. They were destitute. They were afflicted. They were ill-treated. Now, in the context of what, what James is saying is that they had a reason to complain, didn't they? But rather, they endured. They persevered. They were long-suffering. And because of that, they were blessed. He talks about Job. Job, in, in chapter 13, verse 15 says, though he, though God may slay me, yet will I trust him. Job had every reason to complain. He lost his family to a tragic accident, storm. He lost his crops. His body became infested with sores and, and, and he was just in bad shape. His friends came to comfort him and they condemned him. Job had every reason to complain. And yet what did he say? Though he may slay me, yet I will praise Him. Job struggled. He, he questioned. He challenged God even. 
It appears that he didn't suffer for any good reason at all, except just to suffer. But he never lost his faith. He never gave up. He always continued forward. If anyone had a reason to complain, Job and the prophets did. But they remained faithful. They endured. They persevered. As we look at the headlines of the news in our, in our world today, it seems like too often, with, in fact, with great regularity, increasing regularity, we hear stories of those who've been martyred for their faith. One of the stories that, that's most recently, it's been several months now, but it's just a powerful story. We continue to hear reports and testimonies are of the 21 Coptic Christians that were, what were beheaded on the Libyan beach by ISIS fighters. We've heard some of the stories and testimonies coming out. The video that was taking place or that was shown that's made its way into different places. The widow of one of the 21 Egyptian Christians made this statement as she saw the video. And as the last words of those fighters, of of those Christian martyrs, were words of Jesus, were words of grace, here's what this widow said. She said, I'm proud of my husband, for he stood firm in his faith, and he did not deny Jesus. You know, if someone had a reason to complain. But you see, she is enduring, she's being patient, she's persevering, she's being long-suffering. And in the death of her husband, the murder of her husband, she said, the most important thing was that my husband stood firm in his faith. And he did not deny Christ. A mother of one of those Christians, a mother whose 22-year-old son was beheaded in that same incident said this. She was asked to, she wanted to say something to the executioners. She said, I thank you for his martyrdom. May the Lord touch your hearts and light away so you don't end up in a bad place. Light away for you so you don't end up in hell. Seems like this mom had lots of reasons to complain. And certainly I'm not belittling the grief and the emotion and the pain, the separation and loss that they had. But when it came time to put words to what was going on in their spirit, as they saw what was taking place with their husband and their son, they did not complain. They gave glory to God. I don't guess we have much to complain about, do we? Jesus. Scripture tells us that he endured the cross. He endured the cross to pay for our sins. But one of the reasons that Scripture tells us that he endured the cross was so that we would not grow weary, so that we would not lose heart, so that we might continue faithfully, so that we might be long-suffering in our midst. All this summer we've talked about the upside-down logic and wisdom of James. Today we need to understand that that James's upside down wisdom is this. Patience and endurance produce blessing. Behold, verse 11, we count those blessed who endure. The Lord is full of compassion and is merciful. Now, Now catch this. These statements are related 
For you see, it's in perseverance, it's in endurance, it's in long-suffering that we experience God's compassion and mercy in profound and deep ways. Ways that we cannot experience when we choose not to endure, when we choose not to suffer. So if we're like the owl, and after three licks, we're done, guess what? We are forfeiting an experience of God's grace, His compassion, and His mercy in ways that we will never experience unless we choose to endure and endure and suffer and be patient. God is calling us. James is reminding us to be patient. The Lord is coming. The Lord is is near. Don't complain, but endure. And if you will endure, you will experience His compassion and His grace and His mercy in new ways that you could never heretofore have imagined. Someone suggested that perseverance is patience stretched out. May we be a persevering, enduring, long-suffering people. Where is your God calling you to be patient today? One of the most powerful experiences I had in my family was visiting with my grandmother. She was 98, 99. She was 99 when she passed. And we were talking and she said, wait. She said, I don't understand why God is letting me to live. My husband's gone. All my friends are gone. I'm so lonely. My quality of life was poor. Why is the Lord letting me live? And if it would have been tomorrow after I preached this sermon, I would say, Grandma, maybe God's just calling you to be patient and to experience long-suffering. And in the midst of this journey, He's promised that He will bring mercy and compassion in newer and deeper ways. Many of you have been there beside the bedside of someone with cancer, that illness and disease, and, and, and they say, why is God letting me linger? Maybe James has a word for us today. God calling you to be patient in a relationship? Maybe you have a prodigal in your family. And you've done everything you can and you pray and you cry and you weep. And maybe God's word for you today is just continue to persevere. Continue to be long-suffering in that relationship. And in the midst of that suffering, experience and, and receive God's grace and compassion and mercy in newer and deeper ways. What about work, education, training, your vocation, Is God calling you to be patient? Are you suffering there and and nothing seems to be changing and and turning over? And Maybe the word of the Lord for you today is just endure. Maybe financially, you're suffering. You just can't get on top of the dollar to, to, to get things straightened out. And God says, be faithful, endure, endure. Be wise and be smart, yes, but endure and suffer and experience my grace and compassion. In new ways. Where's God calling you today? How's He calling you to persevere and to be patient? In just a moment, we're going to sing and we're going to we're going to pray and we're going to reflect. 
And this is this moment in our service where you spend that one-on-one time with God and where you're asking God, where am I to be patient? Help me to be patient. Help me to endure. Help me to be long-suffering. Help me not to complain in the midst of the hard times that are going on. And God, that I would know your mercy and your compassion in new ways. Would you seek the Lord during this time and ask him to comfort and to speak to you? Let's pray.